and gentlemen, we are going on week two, I think week two, of the Bundesliga being back and uh, football being back. And there has been a general heightened sense of wellness in my life with the return of football that I just cannot explain. So I'm even more excited to be to be looking forward to this next weekend of Bundesliga games. We don't have a lot of games left, I would say, in, in the Bundesliga campaign. But kind of when they wrap up, Rian, I guess, I guess that's one of the other leagues come back. But man, it's been it's been a somewhat short couple of days since we last saw football. Since uh, since I last talked to you, I guess I, it's I've had a busy week. But how you been? Uh, I've been all right. I think uh, since last time we talked, uh, we talked about my uh, unfortunate mishaps with UPS. Um, <laughs> I asked you about your package and you didn't respond to me for like three days. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah, well, cool. I'll just. Oh, no, nope, never. So, so I mean, I didn't get my original package. No, uh, that ended up getting sent back and I'm supposed to be getting a refund on the shoes. But I ended up reordering one of the pairs of the shoes because it was lower. The, the actual sale on the shoes at work was was even was even better when I checked the second time to re to get the uh, new pair. So I ordered that, and that I ordered to a new fr- to a friend's apartment, and then picked it up from there because I wasn't gonna try it, like test this test fucking UPS again. So eventually, I got it. Oh, yeah, fair. happy to say I eventually got got my package. Finally, yeah, you just had to go a roundabout way. So at least you know once you start moving out of your old apartment and uh you'll finally be able to get packages properly at some point yeah hopefully hopefully i mean i mean one can fucking hope right (laughs) yeah you don't know you can only hope but um yeah things are things are moving along in life i i don't know i i feel like i've started to run out of things to kind of go over with people at this point like my last three weeks has been a lot of work and then watching soccer where I can, and then podcast, and then like trying to cook. That's pretty much been it. Um, so I cannot wait for tomorrow morning. And I know we have a slew of things to get to, but I guess we can start off with kind of an update on generally how how the rest of the European leagues are going outside of, of course, the ones that have been canceled. But we'll, we'll, I guess we'll start off in England specifically. We saw some great pictures coming out of England this week. Um, and they weren't they weren't pictures of any games, obviously. But Rian, what what were the, some of those pictures about? I'm curious. Tell me. Um, so, you know, this week, Project Restart initiated uh, step one of their plan, uh, which <laughs> which which they now do have, I guess, more of a, a set uh, a set plan. But timetable is just still pretty much up in the air. So anyway, so step one was this. What 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 you saw this week, if when you were look, if you saw any of the Twitter accounts or social media accounts for any of the Premier League clubs, is you saw players who who were um, participating in group training sessions, and that is what step one is: allowing teams to start group training sessions. Uh, step two and step three involve uh, initiating contact training, and then step three is returning to matches. But there's no no current timetable on on either of those two things yet. It, I think it's still a bit of a wait and see situation there, but uh, it started off with really clubs are able to test, may test initially 40 players and staff a week. So for the 
Clubs that have forty more than forty people on their on their senior team, <laughs> like with players and staff. Um, That's like everybody. Like the, every club has more than forty people. Yeah, you have so just, many yeah. different. Okay, whatever. I mean, you have twenty two yeah. players, twenty two just for the players. Or no, sorry, uh, what's that? It's like sixteen or eighteen just for the squad yeah. players, right? Um, so you know, one of the one of the clubs are reported to like basically had to. Of like a ranking system, a ranking list of the forty, like top forty oh, people. Oh my tests. god! <laughs> anyway, so um, the Blue Ridge clubs are are able to test these players and staff twice a week, and from the first results that returned on Tuesday, there was a seven hundred forty eight players and staff um, results came back, and six people tested positive, which is still very very low. Um, I think is a is a better sign than. What honestly, I think, I mean, I, I, I would have expected more than that, really, honestly. Um, you're talking about uh, like less than a percent, people's 0.8 percent, um, I said, uh, people who actually tested positive for the, this first run. Funny enough, three of those players were from Watford, um, which is just uh, not players, sorry, two players, one staff. It's just, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's an L. Yeah. And, you know, the people who tested ne- tested positive, or sorry, tested negative, they're able to actually join the group sessions. Those players able to join group sessions. Players who test positive have to self isolate for seven days. So that's the training pro. That's the testing protocol there. Only seven um, days. That's interesting. Yeah. Ex- yeah, and, and and obviously with all of this comes, you know, players are allowed to not come to training. Like Golo Conte, I know for Chelsea, two straight days did not show up to training because of you know, whatever fears of, of coronavirus, and that's going to be allowed. I mean, as it should be, obviously, but um, just some like star, two notable players would be N'Golo Conte and Watford's Troy Deeney, their captain who, who has not shown up to training as of yet. because He's not ready to come back. Um, in any case, you know, some other, some other fun tidbits here. So players are supposed to change into their training gear before they get to the training ground, right? They're supposed to prepare, that, yeah. prepare all their drinks, Organize their boots and accessories, all that stuff before arriving to training ground. Um, and then when they get there, they're told to report to a, a specific pitch at a specific time because obviously no face-to-face meetings. And um, they're only allowed in the dressing room to use the toilet or wash their hands. So no showers at the training ground and also like no eating together on the premises at all. So just smart. Uh, like th- yeah. those make sense. That, that, that's the same thing in Spain, like change before shower at home. Um, and, and they, I think they've been actually doing like twice a day trainings in Spain. So you like do it twice and you just like go home and shower again. And you're like, okay, it's yeah, but it, but it's smart. Like that's what they should be doing in order to absolutely decrease contact as, as much as possible. Exactly. They need, they need to take precautions. Um, and then when they are training, you know, players can only train on the grass for a maximum of 75 minutes per session. That's, that's the protocol right now for, for when they're actually training, um, itself and, you know, tactical meetings have been strongly discouraged on the training ground. Um, there are reports a lot of them happening through Zoom or just out on the field itself. Uh, and then you might ask, you know, how do they actually keep track? Like, how, can any team just totally bypass any of this, right? right. Um, the, so the Premier League has can see any team's data and can ask can ask to see any team's data at any point during all of this. Um, but on top of that, their plan is to use independent inspectors um, who can visit the training ground without any prior warning. So 
they're, they're going to try. They're going to try to police it. I know it's not going to be perfect, I, I, but no. you, you can only, I mean, a lot of this is based on trust anyway. You know, that's, that's what a lot of this coming back stuff is anyway. So we'll see on that end. Um, for when we're coming back, so many clubs now believe it's June 19th or June 26th um, are the most likely return dates for, for the Premier League within the Premier League. Um, I saw, saw something over this week. Um, where I believe it was Dan Ceballos who claimed uh, over like a radio thing. It might've been a radio thing he was doing in Spain um, that some players were told June 19th, June 20th. So that's looking more, it's looking like June, the end of um, June is looking like a more likely uh, start date for England. And you might be thinking too, you know, is there a certain time <laughs> like we've talked about before? Is there a certain amount of time that could pass where it's like we, uh, we might be fucking over the 2020 season? Um, the chief executive of the Premier League did finally admit this week that yes, there is, there definitely is like a date. There's a date when scheduling that'll come, you know, when scheduling 2020 to 2021 season, like it'll become very difficult. But he said they're not there yet. So they're not there yet. And maybe if they, maybe if they get to do 19 to 26, they'll be fine. But um, another thing he added is like, they're trying to, they're trying to do something different with the TV viewing experience than we've seen in Germany. So who knows what that'll be? I mean, they're going to have so, to talk. So Netflix interactive, basically you get to choose <laughs> how, how the game goes. Okay. Good to know. I, mean, I, I imagine, I imagine they'll, they're going to try to do something that to address the lack of crowd noise or something like that. Right. But, um, well, this is what I was saying, like for, and we'll get to this in a second, the dormant Schalke game, they played like fan chants when the goals were scored. But I don't know why they didn't do that the whole time. Like you, you would have, I think, seen an uptick in the momentum of the game if they did that. And I think they should do that in pretty much every league that they can. I think is I I think there's nothing that can really replicate the the actual like at, fan atmosphere of, of of like because and by that I mean nothing can replicate it to this point where it can actually affect like how a player is playing. Right without the fans, actually, I could I could see trying the noise yeah. thing and stuff, but I but I feel like and again this is based off of just this is based off of literally no evidence here. We're just we're just <laughs> shooting the shit. We're just I'm just saying how how I think it might have how I think it might affect me if I was if I was in the position. Um, but you know I feel like you're probably more naturally buoyed by actual people being there, being able to look over and see the fans and stuff. And, and obviously here and stuff too, but I think the seeing them there too, seeing the fans is probably a psychological thing there too. You know, if they're not there, I don't know how much of, I don't know how much of an effect just the noises will be. Yeah, no, you have a good point. I think that's, that's absolutely fair. Um, I, I don't know what the Premier League is thinking of, but I hope they think of some. Maybe they'll put like an iPad on every seat and then video call a fan for each seat because <laughs> that won't cost any money. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we'll see. Really they're going to be speaking with that. That's something they'll have to discuss with broadcasters. But, um, but yeah, and then finally, in case from last week you were wondering, hey, that whole like 340 million pounds that had the whole league yeah. of, is that is that real? <laughs> um Yes, it is still real. And <laughs> the chief executive of the Premier League said that there's no real news on it. Um, 
there, there's, it's still just potentially 340 million pounds that, that the Premier League will owe to broadcasters, no matter what. And so there's been no news on that. So, Well, that's not going to go over well with anybody. Um, that, there are going to be a lot of lawsuits with that. That's all I can say. I don't know the details of it. I just know that there are going to be a lot of lawsuits. Like, there's not going to be a single Premier League chairman that settles for that. So, we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, we will see. I, mean, I think I think the broadcasters will have a lot of grounds for, you know, <laughs> this is not what we paid for. So, <laughs> and also, it's good. Uh, one thing, one thing to mention too, and I'm sure we'll we'll get to it when the actual decision comes along, but. We're just we're still a few weeks off of Manchester City finding out their um, oh, fate yeah. in, in the Champions League. That is scheduled for June between uh, to happen between June eighth and June tenth is when the uh, I believe the a court of arbitration sport will be you know deliberating over it. So yeah, yeah, no, that's England, so I guess. Uh, we, we'll, we, I don't want to spend too much time on that now. We'll, we'll get to that when <laughs> it comes to it. But enough of England. I, I've talked way too much, Elias. I'll let you. Uh, tell me what's going on in, in Spain. Yeah, no. So I, let me transition over um, to a slightly different situation in Spain. I think the last week or two has seen a little bit more clarity come to light. So we're, we're basically, we're basically entering the start of the second phase, which is group trainings in Spain and La Liga. Um, we're seeing a lot more players, you know, get back into their routine and their fitness routine which is really good to see. There hasn't been much more progress outside of that other than kind of the details that you shared with England. It's, it's the same structure where players come to training with their kits, with everything prepared. They leave, they go home, shower, they come back the next day, et cetera. So it's a cycle. Um, and the locker rooms and everything like that aren't, aren't in use. The difference, and I think this is hilarious that England does it for only 40 people, basically ranks people, is that <clears throat> Spain opened up when they knew that they could test everybody that was necessary, um, or would, everyone that needed to be tested, basically. That was, the, like, that was the reason why they were able to open up. And so there was, a, there was a, almost a moral debate of if we don't, you know, if the country doesn't have enough tests, why should we as footballers be taking these tests from people? And I know there was a club in Spain um, that donated, I think, all, if not, if not most of their coronavirus tests um, to the general populace because they didn't feel as though they needed them at the time. Now, I think Spain has gotten to the point where they have enough tests for everybody that needs it, um, especially as we're kind of on the down slope, at least in Spain. And so now it's acceptable, right? Like from a moral perspective, it's acceptable to get everyone tested. So all, you know, say 70, 80, 100 people that are involved in the club's operations are being tested. Um, I believe it's also twice a week. Um, it's relatively consistently. And the date that I think that they're targeting for reopening things is June 12th, um, which is fairly soon if you think about it. Like this is Memorial Day weekend. You have one more weekend in June and then uh, in May, excuse me. And then you have one weekend in June. And then you're back to football being played, which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's it'll be great. And, and what you mentioned, what you had mentioned earlier, too, the timing of this stuff. It it sucks that we missed, you know, the spring of having um, these leagues coming to the end and having the Champions right. League happen at the same time, right? But we're we're gonna have pretty much the whole summer now, for, starting starting basically since last weekend. We're gonna have 
soccer for the whole summer. Like uh, um, Germany will end right around, yeah. um, I believe, like around June twenty sixth. They'll be they'll be finished their season, and so it's just about just around that time you'll have Italy, um, England, and Spain all just restarting too, and and they'll right. be going throughout July and stuff, right? So, uh, yeah. and then August, obviously, we restart again, and that's when supposed to have champions league europa league come back too so it's it's it sucks it sucks that it'll all be behind closed doors of course but you know yeah at the end of the tunnel at the end of the tunnel is there for yeah. sports fans especially uh, <laughs> football soccer fans so it feels like forever ago that the last i guess very public um open door game if you want to call it that was atletico madrid liverpool like I, I genuinely forgot Liverpool were out of the Champions League until I, I just thought about you know the last time that um, and no this isn't a shameless plug I'm not doing that for any specific reason I'm just no no, no, I'm just no pointing no. it out no, um, it, it, it was it was correct. it feels like forever ago and so I, I'm I'm curious to see how a couple of different factors like the weather you know climate um, stuff like that impact how these players play in the summer um, but but I'm I don't know we'll have that conversation in like a month so we shall see. Soon enough, for sure. So, do you want to um, do you want to move back over to the Bundesliga and go over what was that was a fun Dortmund Schalke game, like really fun. Like I didn't expect it to be that. One, yeah, for some people, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I lost some money on that game, so it was. <laughs> so, um, I don't know if I describe it as fun, uh, entertaining, sure, but. Uh, Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> you put your money where your mouth is, and you lost. So yeah, that's not fun. Joyful, but... joyful, um, uplifting, um, no, probably not. Yeah, definitely not for me. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I, I can get that. But at least for the neutral, someone who did not definitely not bet because I didn't know how this was going to go. Um, I know I chose a tie slash leaning Schalke, but. I did not expect Dortmund to like completely run riot the way that they did with like a completely depleted squad too. like they individually, I think stepped up so well, like each individual player just stepped up in their own specific positions. And that, that was the one big takeaway that I had other than Erling Holling being like just a robot, but you know, <laughs> that aside, incredible display like throughout the 90 minutes from Dortmund for for teams that we have not seen play in months to get back to that peak kind of physical condition was really really impressive so hats off to them seriously agreed no I I think I think you're totally it's the difference in whether it was physical or mental I think readiness for the game um, and I, I know we always feel, you know, we always feel like you can play. It's hard to blame who like players or manager on that sense. But as a collective, Schalke looked like they weren't ready for this game. Um, you know, just going through the goals, you know, first goal at 28th minute from Holland, a great call, cross from Thorgan Hazard, who we have to start with the fact that Giorena was expected to start this game yeah. uh, ends up, ends up getting a, I think a, a little calf injury in the warm-up has to be scratched late. Thorgan Hazard steps in and he had a great game for, he, he wasn't the only one, but he had a great game um, stepping in. Um, but great cross from Hazard. It starts with that touch from Julian Brandt, a little flick into Hazard's, um, into Hazard's run. And then he plays it, 
a great cross into into uh, Erling Holland and and I said like the the finish was like kind of Lewandowski esque right because it's such a it's such a hard fit. Yeah. like I've, I feel like I've seen Lewandowski score like that before uh, for Bayern mostly like right. from great crosses like that where all it takes is like a little like a really really precise touch but even though it's really hard because that ball that Hazard plays in it's like very low cross, but one bounce, and it's coming with a lot of pace. Yeah. He just has to, like, yeah. He has to get, he has to get a touch on it, but he can't like get full contact, and he also has to direct it. Yeah. It was, I mean, we. It's hard. I don't know. There's nothing else to say. I don't. I don't have any more like ways to describe <laughs> how like how good he is. Um, but that's a that's that's such an experienced finish. That is an experienced yeah. finish by him. Um, and the that's celebration. a really good phrase, actually. That is a that's an experience. That he he's not experienced though. Like I want to stress that he's not an experienced player, he's but not, he does. He's not at the experience level of many of the strikers that scored right. those goals right. um, consistently, right? So, uh, and then the celebration is now going to be like iconic, like that is that celebration, especially the picture. There's one of these pictures um, from behind Erling Holland that I'm sure that some people have probably seen uh, around Twitter. Um, on that day or around the weekend or whatever, but it's it's him doing like the doing the celebration or whatever, and a few of the Dortmund um, teammates running, kind of running up to him to celebrate with him too. But none of them are close to each other. And then the background is like the whole field, like the Schalke players and Dortmund players on the field, and then empty yeah. seats behind it, and like whatever beautiful sky, like open sky <laughs> above and stuff too. It's an iconic picture, which is, it's probably going to be like one of the images of this. This entire this this season, I mean, this restart period, absolutely. But um, yeah, but yeah, but Dortmund didn't stop there. Forty fourth minute, a goal from the left back uh, Rafael Guerrero. From this time, an assist from Julian Brandt, who I think was um, Dortmund's best player on the day. Uh, I mean, Schalke. Yep. Yeah, I think Schalke, Schalke was just getting exposed out wide all day. It wasn't just Guerrero. Guerrero had two goals in this game. Oh, yeah. But Hakimi. Was was also just very easily yeah. getting down the right wing, um, and and uh, probably could have had an assist or two as his own. Um, so you know, first forty five minutes, Schalke looked just totally out of it. They looked. I mean, yeah. it, it was, it was, it was so evident after like it was so evident. <laughs> they it was like, why does it look like Dortmund are actually like in shape outside of Jane Sancho, obviously, but. Um, <laughs> Oh, brutal! <laughs> meanwhile, 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 Schalke—they kind—I mean—they looked like maybe they were kind of there. They looked like they were just there, honestly, for a lot of that first half, a lot of this game, because the second half starts and three minutes in, forty-eighth minute, a rapid counterattack for Holland to Brandt to Hazard, so two assists from Brandt this time, and now Hazard has a goal and assist, and it's game over. Um, and Dortmund scores again in the sixty-second minute, a great goal from. From our Guerrero, who gets a second of the day, which was a nice assist from from Holland. And um, I mean, throughout the entire match, Schalke were run through just so easily. Um, I, I had McKenney as my player to watch last week, and and he was had to put out as the holding mid. He <laughs> had to put out like a lot of fires. <laughs> um, yeah. I was watching this game. Well, with, I, with I was going to say, like, I don't think he had a good game. Like, I actually think he had a pretty bad game, quite honestly. But yeah, that, I, I, don't, I don't think it's yeah. all his fault. <laughs> no, no, exactly. I was gonna say, yeah, I had to put out a lot of fires, but he was he was a he was a minus in possession. He, um, I think right. I saw a stat. He gave away the ball thirteen times, but even but he had like yeah. ten. He had like ten interceptions or something something like that. So, 
you know, that's a part of his game that he has to get better at. Um, I was watching this game with our friend Peter and, and we were, and I, I would like, <laughs> be like, damn, Jimmy Kenny just had to run from like halfway way on the right wing. And then I had to run all the way back to the left, left wing <laughs> in like the, in like his own defensive third, <laughs> just to come, yeah, just to like yeah. come, try to clean another fire. Um, but, but he, but he had about a handful of times, where he tried to like spray the ball wide to like the to the wingers and stuff, and, and just miss the passes a couple times. So it's I mean stuff like that. He's got to hit those passes to I mean help his team to be able to help his team because um, he can't be a negative in possession. Uh, but overall, you know, Schalke totally outplayed. Um, I think I I don't. It's it's hard to we always do this too, right? Like how much of it was the team and how much of it was the opponent. Um, I th- I think Schalke just seemed off it, and and I think Dortmund are a better team, of course. I, I think Dortmund have far more attacking talent, and I think they were going to be too much for. I, I thought the only I thought the reason that that this would be a draw or a Schalke win was because I thought both teams would be um, would just be out of shape. But I think I, that's that might be an observation throughout the whole weekend, right? It seemed like teams were in better. Were a lot of teams were in better shape. Yeah. Seemed like they were in better shape than I expected, but. Uh, just a few stats from this game. Uh, Schalke, three shots in the box in this game. Dortmund had seven. Uh, but the funny, funny enough, Schalke had more touches in the box than Dortmund. And that's kind of like an overarching. Yeah, 21 touches to Schalke, 18 for Dortmund. Really? Yeah, more touches wow. in the box. Uh, and, and that's kind of a theme, I think, for Dortmund's season in general. When I looked, when I was just like kind of looking at some of their stats from. Um, from the season in general, because because we didn't really we weren't really talking about them very much during during the year. But um, Dorman, their expected goals for this game was one point four five to Schalke's point uh, three five. So there's no no denying that they they deserve to win the game. But <laughs> that's their fair. Expected goals for this season fifty one point oh three to their seventy two goals actually scored. So wow. Yes, you say wow, you say oh well. I mean, yeah, that seems like a lot, but what fuck expected goal? Like, like that is just <laughs> it's whatever, whatever. Who cares about that? That's the highest goal to expected goal difference in any of Europe's top five like major leagues this season. By yeah, yeah. The next, the next closest um, was Liverpool, who's like who has like a ten around a ten right. difference um, goal to expected goals difference. So. Oh <laughs> it just it, it, I mean it tells you more about the the level of a talent of attacking talent that there is for Dortmund because right. even though they they're sitting they're sitting fourth in expected goals or sorry third in expected goals in in Germany in general they're they're behind Leipzig and, and Dortmund um but great finishers I mean I and that's something that is hard to hard to uh measure in stats right but I guess that's this is probably the best way I I can describe it right now yeah, yeah. No, that's such an interesting stat line. I didn't know that the difference was that massive. I'm sure Holland is is like a big part of that, obviously, even though he came late. But still, like 20 goals is a lot. Like basically imagine taking 20 goals out of Dortmund's entire season. Like you're losing Holland plus some. It's That's a massive chunk. And, and you don't even have to be extreme. Like if you, let's say, let's yeah, so let's say technically it's 20 goals over, right? But, you know, obviously – should happen. So even if half of those goals don't happen, like like you're talking about very different position for Dortmund in the league right now. And 
And amazingly, guess who has scored 10 goals in his first eight games of being at the club? Erling Holland. So, yeah, it's exactly. just, it's just you know, that, that's something to like, think about there. But the, the team's yeah. wonderful, wonderful attacking talent up top. We knew that already. Um, and they came back, they came back right where they left off. And um, it's a sprint. Like, like I said before, last, last week, too, right? It's a sprint to the end of the season, especially with how many games in such a short time they're going to have to play. And uh, Dortmund, as you'd expect, um, started off running, so. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting how um how things restarted like pretty seamlessly for for Dortmund specifically. Schalke, like you kind of said, I'm not going to reiterate, but we're, it just I don't want to use the phrase like up to the task, like they didn't feel up to the task, but that's exactly what it looked like. Like it just didn't look like they felt like playing. Like it, it just it, it felt like they were lacking the physicality, obviously, but it didn't even look like there was a sense of urgency in them, like a sense of, Oh, we lost the ball, right? If McKinney lost the ball, no one really kind of pressed towards or, or showed any sense of like, Oh, we need to get it back. It was more like, okay, this is another step in the cycle of, you know, trying to get the ball back is just to sit back, absorb, whatever. Um, it did not work out for them as we clearly know. Um, but they're going to have to change that next, not next weekend, but this weekend, I should say. Um, Dorman on the other hand are looking, great shape to to go ahead and still compete for the title um i don't know how telling this weekend will be for their game against Bayern next week but the game against Bayern is something i will not miss like that will be i don't want to say league decider but it will be very telling to see to see who you know finished out on top right um yeah yeah i mean that'll be a, that'll be a can't lose i think for for dorman um when you think about being potentially seven points behind Bayern with right. what seven games left? That's going to be um, really difficult uh, for Schalke. One. That's yeah. what's up for grabs. Right, right. I mean, even if they keep it at four, I think that I think you still probably feel okay about that, right? Because it's still a lot of games left for you know any anything can happen in football. You have two draws right. and you're and you're tied, and they could be right. Tied right. Um, for Schalke, on the other hand, here they drop to eighth. Um, Rip. <laughs> yeah, I, I will still be supporting them because. American, right? Of course. Uh, but <laughs> they now sit two points behind um, Wolfsburg for that final Europa League spot. And uh, final news from this game is Claudio, or yeah, I'm going to keep messing this up. Not Claudio Reyna, it's his dad. Gio Reyna is, <laughs> he is okay. He, he came back to training this week and uh, he'll likely be in the squad this weekend. Um, perhaps we'll see him get, get some uh, minutes off the bench and, uh, I think they, they they expect him to at least be on the bench for the Byron game, so th- that'll be awesome. I think for him to experience too. Yeah, so we'll see a chunky Jane Sancho probably start as well, but <laughs> that will that will be determined tomorrow morning. Yeah, I no, I don't think we will. Jane Sancho is starting. There's no <laughs> way. I don't oh, think goodness, he was nearly fit so badly. <laughs> He needs to lose at least like seven pounds and then he needs a haircut and he needs to shave his face and then we're good. <laughs> yeah. In no particular order. <laughs> no, no, but just tomorrow that it doesn't matter, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, I'll look out for that. Um, any other, I guess, key results from last that stood out to you before we, yeah. we take a quick break. Yeah. Very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, like, so Leipzig drew the big, big result for them. They're only one of the top, five teams who didn't win this weekend. So 
That's that's a bit of a loss for them, right? Yeah. So they they, they drew one one with Freiburg. <laughs> uh, the silly silly game is it's back, dude. Uh, Leipzig one point nine two expected goals. Freiburg at zero point three three. Their their goal came from like a deflected corner. Uh, so oh silly silly game. I, I'm so happy it's back. Um, <laughs> they, they, it makes no sense. With with that, Leipzig dropped to fourth. Um, behind Gladbach, now seven points off of Bayern, and they're only one point above Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Bayern won two 0 against Union Berlin this week. That that game was on Sunday. Uh, I watched that one. They were it was somewhat it was fairly difficult for Bayern because Union Union were uh, were pretty well organized defensively, but once Union conceded a, a PK pretty um, in halfway through the first half and not effectively. Yeah. End of the game, they, they were they were just never going to be able to score. Really, they don't have, not enough quality in the final third to be able to for them to create chances enough good chances to score. And then um, finally, one more was the Wolfsburg result um, that put them up into sixth. Um, they beat Augsburg two one. Uh, they jumped to sixth. Like I said, uh, they're hosting Dortmund this weekend, which could be maybe a trap game of some sorts for Dortmund with that Bayern game coming up um, on Tuesday. But uh, it'll be a tough game for them. Wolfsburg had the second best expected goals allowed in in the Bundesliga, and and I should mention too. Obviously, they're. I, I think I think we might touch on Wolfsburg a little bit later, but uh, for for Dortmund's game, but uh, there's some American influence in that team too as well. So. There there is, yeah, and that's my game to watch tomorrow morning. Um, so I will be tuning into that, and I know a lot of people will also be tuning into Muchen Gladbach and Bayer Leverkusen. Um, but I'll, I'll give you my reason for why I'm tuning into the Dortmund game in a little bit, <clears throat> in a little bit. Excuse me, but we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with a preview of some of those games, and uh, of course, as always, our players to watch. Back, ladies and gentlemen, talking, of course, still about the Bundesliga, but we're going to shift our focus to a game that Rian just earlier mentioned, the Bayer Leverkusen and Borussia Mönchengladbach preview. Um, two teams that are a point apart, like he said, and this this is one of those games, kind of like the dortmund Bayern game, where it kind of decides which section of the table that you might sit in, right? So if Dortmund lose against Bayern next week. That's seven points versus one point if they win uh, behind them. It's kind of the same deal with these two teams. Like you, you're either going to go five points behind this team. Sorry, four points. Excuse me. Um, or you're going to go two points up. Like it, there's, it, it's it's very very close. Um, very tight at the top. Very tight at the top. Exactly. That second to fifth range is very tight. Right, right. So, Rian, what do you what do you make of these two teams? Right, I know you um you were doing some research into Bayer Leverkusen, and uh, I think you have a man crush for for a specific player on that team. But I won't I won't ruin any surprises. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, like you were saying, like these these two teams come in. Um, this is third versus fifth with Gladbach in third on fifty two points, and Leverkusen in fifth on on fifty points. It's so. This is, and in Germany, uh, if, if people don't know, top four Champions League, same as England, same as Spain, Italy. Yeah. So this this is a big game. This is a big game for four, for top four spot, especially 
especially off of coming off of this type of summer and what has happened in the last two <laughs> months, getting into the Champions League is even more um, important now, considering that everyone's about to lose a lot of money, almost no matter what. So, um, so these are these are big money games now, right? Uh, even if the even if the two teams aren't um, household names to uh, people here over in America, right? For for teams for uh, European clubs, but um, nevertheless, this is a Rhineland derby, as it's known as, which is loosely defined as like the area of west in West Germany that's along the Rhine River. And I know for the Leverkusen side, which I'm going to touch on here is you know Bayer Leverkusen come into this like I said fifth with 51 points, but also unbeaten in their last six Bundesliga matches, right and that is a pretty big shift from what their first half of the season was. They had a very rocky first half of the season that included them being in 10th place after, after 10 games. Um, and their star player, who I, I'll be talking a little bit more on later, um, Kai Havertz being loudly booed and shouted insults at, at a December game. Um, he, had just, he had a very poor first half of the season and uh, amid you know rumors of him leaving and all that stuff. And, Naturally, it kind of boiled over <laughs> at the uh, actual stadiums with the fans. Um, but since the beginning of 2020, since the, since the return uh, from their winter break, just one loss for Bayer Leverkusen in their 14 uh, matches. You know, that also is kind of coincided with a return to form from Havertz himself. Two goals and one assist during the first half of the season, the 2019 portion. Um, and then since the start of 2020, Six goals, five assists in those fourteen games. So he's that. I mean, it helps when your best player is playing like your best player. That that usually helps the, the team, right? Um, but in terms of like just their underlying stats, you know, they, they sit firmly fifth or sixth in a lot of them, um, including like expected goals, goals scored, expected points, um, and expected goals allowed. But they're the second highest pressing team. In 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 um England or sorry in Germany in where <laughs> oh my god area Belarus and second highest pressing team in Germany like, behind Bayern and they're also second to Bayern in possession stats so you know they, they're as they play very nice football they just I, I watched their game on on Monday against uh, Werder Bremen who granted yes Werder Bremen are going to get relegated for sure but but um they won very easily 4-1 a game that in which uh, Havertz had a couple headed goals in that one and they, they play really nice football they're a really nice team to watch um I, I said this last week too but they managed by managed by former Ajax and Dortmund manager uh, Peter Bosch uh but coming to this game like I said they came off a 4-1 win Injury news, though, um, their leading scorer, Kevin Bolin, was out, who was out on Monday, still out with an ankle injury, as well as their captain, uh, Lars Bender, who uh, his twin you'll see in this game, the other Bender, uh, Sven Bender, who starts at center back. Um, Lars Bender is out with a foot injury as well. So, And just in case you were also wondering, oh, wow, how has this Leverkusen team been doing in Europe? Are they still in? Are they still in European competitions? They're still in it. They're in the round of sixteen of the Europa League. They had beaten Celtic in the first leg three one, um, and were meant to play the second leg. Obviously, during that during the same week, um, actually during the same week that 
who was it? Mikel Arteta ended up testing positive for Arsenal, and then all those games got canceled. And so, right, right. Um, so they were meant to play their second leg there. So they're also still in Europa League. But again, for this week, it's this weekend. It's Kevin Volan and Lars Bender, two important players out for this game. But uh, it's still imagining that you know having having Kai Havertz in most of these up and and um, <laughs> well, and the attack they have has been it's. It should still be enough to cause Gladbach, I think, a lot of problems. Yeah, I think it'll be the biggest test for Gladbach's at least defensive structure. So I I worry about Havertz and like if I'm if I'm a defender, I worry about that a lot. But a part of me is concerned that he doesn't necessarily have the best supporting cast. And I'm not saying Leverkusen are bad like they're obviously very good team um and and i think those stat lines around their press actually were surprising to me but i don't i don't know if they've been playing as well as they could have at least before you know the the quarantine and everything um like from the little that i had seen in the bundesliga and around them um at least in europe like it he he has been doing well given the circumstances that's what I think this is. This is a story of, I think this is more of him stepping into the fold. And when he was booed back in December, I don't know if a lot of the issues are around kind of the central area of their, their playing style, like really were down to him. Like you can't, you can't always put it down to one player, obviously, but like specifically you can't put it down to your striker. Who's what? 19, 20. Yeah. yeah just turning. Yeah. Just turning 21 next month. Oh, 21. Yeah. There you go. So still, <laughs> No, you're right. I, I mean, and and just to piggyback on that, like I said, Voland is their leading scorer, but he's their leading scorer with nine goals. Voland, who was out right. this weekend, nine goals, and their second high scorer is Havers with eight. So you're right. You're right. It, the, it's not like the supporting cast is not the best. Um, and whatever success they find in the last in these last eight uh, seven eight games is going to be largely down to his performances. As as you know, I kind of mentioned like with. The fact that they've been playing a lot better in 2020, coincidentally, he has been playing a lot better in 2020. So it's right, right. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, the thing is, I, I was going back and forth on who to to pick that like the winner for this game. Actually, you know, what? I'll I'll get to it at the end. I don't want to spoil. Give me your give me your Gladbach. The... Yeah, give me your Gladbach. Uh, Gladbach yeah. side of this. So the Gladbach side is interesting. The one. I guess area that I think is most impressive for them is they have not lost a game since January. And that was again, Schalke. I mean, it sounds long because we've been in quarantine for two months, but like they haven't lost a game since the beginning of the year. And that was, uh, I think a two nil Schalke loss. And so <clears throat> in those four or five wins, um, actually probably six wins since then they've, t- they've drawn twice um one once against Dortmund and I'm forgetting who else they drew against but they did they have drawn twice and I think that speaks to specifically their their attack so I mean they're two key slash best players I should say um I don't know if one really trumps the other but um Alisane Plea I I'm gonna butcher these names and Marcus Thurum so they're two strike forces um, or strike, striking partnership, I should say. They were fantastic last weekend against uh, Frankfurt. So they last weekend, context of course, beat uh, Frankfurt two one. 
Um, or was it three one? It was two one. I'm lying. No, it was three one. I'm getting my. Yeah, I'm, I remember that. Yeah, I'm getting I my. That my game. It's three one. Yeah, I'm getting everything mixed up for some reason. So they, it was a three three one victory for them. Um, and Pleo was really their their best player. I mean, he was rated their best player as well. But I think what's like this this goes back to the parallel I was trying to draw with Leverkusen and like Havertz really being like the sole driver of this team. I think Gladbach don't have that problem. Like they have two players at the top that play off each other so well, right? Whenever the one succeeds, the other is also succeeding because it's a dual partnership. It's a, you know, goal and assist type partnership. And we saw that against Frankfurt. I think we saw that so, so clearly. And so it's going to be, I think the most interesting storyline for coming out of tomorrow is who or which striking force slash which striker performs better, right? In the face of adversity. And, and I don't know who that's going to be because I think Havertz is slightly probably more talented than Plia and, and Thurm, but I don't know if those two are, are a stronger pair than just having Havertz, uh, you know, as your lone striker. Uh, that I think is going to be the, the number one thing that I'm going to look at for tomorrow. But in terms of Gladbach's injuries, they've actually done relatively well. Um, I think most of their players um, are healthy. The only player that I guess stood out to me was our, we know him very well, Fabian Johnson, um, did not play against Frankfurt uh, last weekend because of a muscle injury. But other than that, I think they're pretty much up to to full strength. So it's going to be a big test. And I think if I had to make a prediction for this, I think it's, probably going to be like a 2-2 draw. Like, that seems to be fair to me. And I know this is at Gladbach, even though at this point, home and away isn't really a thing. Yeah. No um, no advantage. No advantages yeah, anymore. There's no, right? no, there's no advantage. Um, I would probably have to lean in favor of Gladbach. Just a little bit. Not because of their quote-unquote home field advantage, but just because I think they've been more consistent, and especially because Leverkusen are coming off of a draw as well. Right. There's a, there's a big mental aspect of the first game back, right? We weren't able to beat a side that we should have beaten. How does that impact your next game? Gladbach came out firing on all cylinders. So I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, so I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw, and I'm going to lead Gladbach um, potentially in a 3-2 win. I think there are going to be a lot of goals in this. Yeah, I think just before, just before I get to my um, quick prediction, important to uh, note Marcus Taram, his dad Lillian Taram uh who was a a player on the French national team that won the world cup in, in 98 so he's got he's got some oh, good wow I didn't there. even know that yeah. yeah oh that is that is really interesting yeah a Barcelona um, player well at the end of his career but at the end yeah I, yeah I I know the name um that's so interesting I did not know that they were related I guess I should have put two most, and two together the but. most capped the <laughs> most capped player in French in French national team history Really? Yeah. Do you know who the second is? Mm, no, I do not. Great, great question. Um, I'm assuming it's not Cantona. Great, great question. I don't know. I'm. Actually. I don't know. That's a question for later. I'm just curious because I did not know that he was the number uh, one. No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna look it up now. Wait. I would have thought it would be Thierry Henry or Eric Cantona. Perhaps the Dan. I don't know. Um, it is it's Henri. You're correct. The top, okay, top, okay. top. Wow, top four here are it's. We're getting off a little tangent, but still, uh, Taram <laughs> with 142, 
123, Marcel Desai Desai uh, at 116, and Hugo Lloris at 114. Really? Well, I guess I guess that makes sense. I mean, I, 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 Lloris so, will but... Lloris will almost definitely end up being at worst second. Yeah, yeah. At worst, he's so only wow. nine. He's only nine off of Henri. So, wow, good for him. That, sorry, that was a complete tangent. No, no, yes. no. That was funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I, anyway, um, so my 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 prediction. I'm going. I'm going with the Gladbach Gladbach two one. I, I think I also I I thought Gladbach played really really well on Sunday. Um, I thought Leverkusen played well too, but I also think Werder Bremen is one of the worst teams in in Germany this season. <laughs> yes. So, um, so it, I don't don't want to. I might have to take that result itself with a, a um, pinch of salt. So, either way, I, I think you're right. I think these are these are two teams that play really good football. So it's gonna. I think it'll be an entertaining game for the neutral, no matter what. Agreed, hundred percent. I'm excited for it. Um, but I. I did mention, and this kind of gets into our next point, that I'll be watching the the Dortmund Wolfsburg game instead tomorrow morning. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why at the very end. But why don't we talk a little bit about the the rest of the top teams in Germany? So Bayern, Dortmund, and Leipzig. Two of I believe two of the three play tomorrow. Correct? Yes. Um, so if you want, we can start with the Dortmund. If you want to get you want to talk a little bit about that first. Um, get get your points up there. So. Yeah, Dortmund play tomorrow um, on Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Uh, against at Wolf- Wolfsburg. Uh, it's their final game for before facing Bayern on Tuesday, next Tuesday on the 26th. Right? Um, couple notes. Like I said, I talked before, there's a little affection for this team because uh, U.S. international John Brooks starting center back at Wolfsburg. And as I said before, uh, uh, this team is second in expected goals allowed. So got to give him a little pat on the back for being at least a part of that. Um, for, <laughs> yeah, for Dor- you're the reason, but you're a part of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he started most, he started most of the games. Um, he's at least half of the reason, I guess, or not, or um, at least one fourth of the reason. <laughs> Brutal. 100% actually when I, when I bring in the goalkeeper. So I guess at least one fifth of the reason. <laughs> He's actually more um, like ten percent, just because it's weighted. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that's on that's Wolfsburg's side. But on Dortmund's side, still no Marco Royce, um, who's now rumored to be out yeah. for the rest of the season, which is just, I mean, sucks. I, I mean, I I mean sucks. Like, sucks. Just, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's a theme of his career. It's unfortunate. It, it is just unfortunate. Like that's his. That's going to be something that's always thought about with his career is injuries. Um, but it's also looking like no. Yeah, also looking like no Schultz or Witzel this weekend for Dortmund. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably be a couple weeks until we see those guys regain, you know, full match fitness. Not, And I'm not saying, like, weeks in terms of match days. I mean, literal, like, 14 to 21 days um, because they're muscle injuries. They take time. You can't rush them. Otherwise, you re-aggravate them. So um, they might not come back till maybe, like, the last games of the deciding weekend. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they might be like a second half of this restart. Right, right. Yeah, this weird period. Um, yeah, so that's Wolfsburg Dortmund, and I believe Bayern play Frankfurt tomorrow. It's twelve thirty tomorrow on mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, wait, wait, you, Davies, you, you, you got to explain why why you're going to watch uh, the Dortmund game though. Oh yes, I this oh, this wait, is, oh this is coming at the end. Oh, this is the player to watch part, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This okay, is the actually, I don't. Want, I don't want to spoil. It. I don't want to spoil it. Then you're right. Uh, Bayern. Okay. Bayern on Saturday at twelve thirty. Bayern Saturday twelve thirty. Um, 
I just want to shout out Alfonso Davies for again putting in just a massive performance. Um, oh yeah, I think this weekend he's he's going he's probably going to be like directly paired up with um, Timmy Chandler right from Frankfurt um, on the right hand side, so right back to left back, and I'm interested to see how a U.S. national does against just an absolute tank of Alfonso yeah. Davies. Yeah, um, there were a couple of times in the in the uh, Berlin game. Um, where, you know, they get in behind and he's like maybe like seven or eight yards behind uh, Berlin, a Berlin player who, who's like running in on goal, who's going to be one-on-one pretty much. Right. Um, and he just is, just used his pace to just catch up easily and just kind of usher the guy out of bounds. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> I saw he, that. You know, yeah. He's just yeah, everywhere. But, he's massive. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, yeah. But this will be, this will be uh, maybe a revenge game, I think, for for Bayern, who um, Eintracht are one of the four teams to beat Bayern this season, and they beat Bayern in this past November five one, which was Nico Kovac's last game, <laughs> one of his last games. Yeah, oh my Bayern god! Manager. Pretty that. much ended his his uh, tenure at, at Bayern. Right. Wow, that is a revenge game of anything. I don't know if it's necessarily a revenge game for. Um, for comeback, but <laughs> he's not there anymore. But um, for the players, obviously, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. I I would probably lean towards picking Bayern, um, just because they are in a stronger position. They're a stronger team. But Frank, I mean, Frankfurt aren't a bad team. They just didn't have a great weekend last weekend at yeah, all. Sitting and sitting, yeah, sitting mid table team. That if they're motivated, this this they'll make it tough. I think they'll make it tough for Bayern. But um, agreed. I. I I think I'd be leaning for for both uh, Bayern. Well, I actually would be a little. I'm always a little afraid. I think for Dortmund, um, the mental side, <laughs> yeah, just because of how it ended last season. So I would be more afraid for Dortmund um, because this is the game right before the Bayern game. You know, it, you they can't drop points here because then that Bayern game will turn into a must win, basically. So right. um, I would be. I would, I'm a little afraid for Dortmund. Uh, I think Bayern will take care of business, but. Um, that the the last one to look ahead to look at I think is uh Leipzig away to Mainz on Sunday at nine thirty AM. They're traveling to fifteenth place Mainz, uh who is in danger of the relegation zone themselves. They're only four points right. off of uh of sixteenth, which is um there's the I believe there's a playoff there at the, for the for the team who finishes sixteenth. They have to go into a playoff with um the like second and third or third and fourth team, I think in, um, in the Bundesliga second division uh, two. Yep. Right. Got it. Okay. Uh, so they're four points off of that. Uh, but Leipzig, they, if they want to stay, at least stay in this title challenge that they're, it's kind of on life support right now, but they must win their next three games to stay in it because you have Bayern and you have, they have this game this weekend, right? Um, you have Bayern has Frankfurt, Wolfsburg has, or Dortmund has, Wolfsburg, but then Bayern and Dortmund play each other on Tuesday, and then right. each, and then even the game after that, each of them, each of Bayern and, um, and Dortmund play teams who are des- who are in relegation battles and like desperate. So there's who knows what can happen in those games too, right? Um, so for for Leipzig, it's they have to win the next three games. They're they're facing they're facing out Mainz this week this weekend 15th they should be able to take care of business even though it's also a desperate team in some sense but um they've got them and then then they play 11th place 
11th place Hertha Berlin and then 10th place Cologne. So that, so two teams who may not have much motivation, you know, playing those games. So these are three games that I think, I mean, Leipzig has to win the next three games to at least stay in it because, you know, there might be some drop points along the way for Bayern and and Dortmund and and just might open up a window for them. For sure. Yeah. This is going to be, I like the phrase life support because it really is like, Leipzig have been a fantastic team to watch this season, but they're not Dortmund or Bayern. They're just not. They they don't have the consistency yet. Um, and they don't have the high end talent. I think I don't think they have the the um, what's the the ceiling of ta- of like attack. That's a the, fair point. I don't, think they right. have, I don't think they have the ceiling. They have good players, but the ceiling like Werner himself. Obviously, he's he he's going to go on to be a great player, but. Um, not enough of those players, I think, attacking wise that are kind of short things, and also like, you know, they don't have anyone to Sancho's level or or um, yeah, or Holland's level. I mean, or Holland's level. I, obviously, you could say Werner, but but like they don't have multiple guys like that. Like like exactly. Dorman are kind of running. Dorman and Bayern are just running through those players like on their benches and stuff. Right. Their core is Werner. Excuse me, and that's not enough. To be uh to be a, a title competing team, um, yeah, I I don't I don't know if Leipzig will slip up. I want to say that they won't tomorrow or excuse me on Sunday, but I would probably pick Leipzig to win that game, not necessarily comfortably, but to win that game. I think that then moves us on to our players to watch section of the podcast. Rian, we'll start with you. I know I may have ruined it a little bit earlier. Um, with the man crush thing, but why don't you tell me who's your player to watch this week? Of course. Uh, so my player to watch this weekend, uh, and he's in going to be involved in the kind of highlighted game that we, that we previewed. It's Kai Havertz at Leverkusen, uh, the Bayer Leverkusen Academy graduate who joined their Academy in 2010. So he was born in 99. So he's 11 and then, um, and then makes his debut, uh, where he was the club's youngest ever debutant, uh, makes his debut in 2016 at 17 and becomes the club's youngest scorer in 2017 at 18. Uh, I said earlier he turns 21 in July, so still, still extremely long. Still got, uh, you know, his similar to um, to Weston McKinney last week, another player who you're we're seeing the beginning of their stardom, and and you don't expect them to stay on this team or possibly even this league for much longer, right? Um, but a couple other cool stats. He's the youngest overall player, youngest player overall to reach 50 and 100 Bundesliga appearances. So in top German top flight history, he's the youngest player to reach those um, to those appearances. Uh, the great thing about him, the thing that I love is how versatile he is. He can play almost anywhere, but then he, he he's effective in uh, anywhere. In, uh, sorry, almost anywhere. He can play almost anywhere <laughs> in the in the attacking third. I should say this in the in the attacking half of the field. Uh, he can play yeah. almost anywhere. Um, and you know, just so look at how he's how he's kind of come along, right? Um, last season was his breakout year. It was his second full season in in the uh, Bundesliga, and by full season, I mean like playing at least two thousand minutes, right? Um, and he has 17 goals and four assists. Like, great season um, for someone who, again, started, started in all these different positions, right? Um, since his debut, 
the points per game of Leverkusen games that Kai Havertz has played in have increased every year. Uh, 1.3 points per game in 2006 to two, two points per game now, um, or almost two points per game in 2020 or the 2019-2020 season. Uh, like I said earlier, his first half was bad of the season and got him, got him kind of boot. But again, that came after a summer where he was heavily rumored to be leaving the club. And um, I remember last summer there was some, he was linked to, there's some Premier League clubs, uh, notably uh, Arsenal and United and Chelsea. I know it all been linked to him at, at one point or another. Um, but now he's heavily rumored and even expected to join, you guessed it, Bayern, either this summer <laughs> or next or next summer. Um, but back to like his versatility, like what makes him so like great. Uh, yeah. Also, one more, um, I think quick fact here like first 19 first player born in 1999 to represent the german national team when he made his when he made his um first appearance in in 2018 and, and he's got seven caps for the national team right now only only one goal so far but I, I think he's got some time um but position positionally again right 140 appearances <laughs> so far for for uh leverkusen which he's got 40 goals and 30 assists 74 games at uh, attacking mid, so pretty much like center, attacking mid, whatever, right? That kind of area. Um, 25 games at center mid, 18 games at right wing, and 12 games right at right mid. And he's even played four games at center forward. Uh, and I try to come up with like compare, like try to compare him to like other players. And I can really only think of other German players naturally because I, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I definitely don't know of any. English player, I think. Um, I mean, obviously not any American. But, oh, actually, I mean, maybe the closest. If, if I were to go with the U.S. player, like maybe Donovan. Uh, I, yeah, I was gonna say even like uh, I was gonna say Clint Dempsey because because uh, I felt fair. Just, yeah, just in terms of like that kind of shadow striker, like sec, like yeah, kind of around the box, but not. Like, they don't have any certain like no set position right. really. Um, uh, so I think actually, if we're talking about U.S. players, that might be the best for for people who are well-versed with um with uh, the type of player that Clint Dempsey was like I, I think that's a good um, um comparison for U.S. players obviously I think I think Havers would probably have a better career than than Clint Dempsey but but I but I'm not gonna shit but I'm not gonna shit on Clint Dempsey that's not what this is about um but his comparisons for <laughs> German players right um Michael Balk and I think Thomas Mueller Hey, hey, and don't laugh. That Clint Dempsey is probably my favorite U.S. <laughs> men's national team player. I'm gonna throw I know which is why I'm laughing. I like him more than way more than Landon Donovan. So that whatever. Anyway, two two best comparisons for Havertz is Michael Ballack and and I think Thomas Mueller. I think the Thomas Mueller one is the is the best one. Um, I said this on Twitter last, on Monday that uh, he looks like a he looks like a Thomas Mueller regen pretty much. Um, yeah, you get yeah with dark hair. <laughs> Yeah, um, but but for the Michael Ballack comparison, Michael Ballack because he also played at Leverkusen at, when he was um, pretty young. Um, he had a hundred in, in his first stint at uh, Leverkusen. He was between twenty four and twenty six. hundred fifteen appearances, thirty eight goals, twenty three assists. Um, he was pretty versatile as well, but that was all in in like the middle of the field. So it was like attacking mid, center mid, defensive mid. So not quite a perfect not. As good a comparison, I think, as Mueller, who um, his first four full, his first sorry three full seasons, and again full seasons to I'm saying two thousand minutes um, for Mueller, thirteen goals and eleven assists. His first twelve goals, thirteen assists. His second 
seven goals, 13 assists, his uh, third full season. And, and, and in his fifth season, it was until his, it wasn't until his fifth season that he hit 20 goals. Um, he had 20 goals and seven assists. Um, but you know, he's, he's a similar player. I feel, I feel like there's some similarities there. I think maybe Havertz earlier on is a better goal scorer than, than Mueller, but, um, you know, it has to be said that Thomas Mueller also has scored a lot of World Cup goals too. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a trade-off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and Mueller has thirty plus appearances at all of these positions in in his Bayern career. At all of these positions, he has at least thirty appearances: right wing, left wing, center forward, attacking mid, and um, second striker, shadow striker, whatever. Right. That so he has. Yeah. He's versatile. I mean, just physically, they're physically they're different, though. Uh, a little different. Mueller's 6'1", 163 pounds, whereas Havertz is 6'2", 181. So a little different. Uh, but you saw it. You can see like the same physicality. I, I think the physicality is very similar between these two players. There, yeah. Yeah. And just like that kind of, I don't know, that kind of thing where you're like, I'm not sure what position he is, but he's just kind of like around the box and is and is usually in the right place and just right. do a little bit of everything. So I, I think Mueller's a pretty good comparison for him. Um, um yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a great I mean, not a bad player to be compared to. No, no, not at all. No, I think that's that's a great analysis. I um <laughs> my player to watch is gonna be very different, but that I think <laughs> captures everything about Havertz that people have been hyping up about. And I don't know if we're going to realize his full potential for like another year to two years. That's when I would expect him to to really like fully hit his stride because right now you're getting a microcosm of it at Leverkusen. And that's, that's his ceiling right now. But I think once he moves to a bigger team, like I said, better supporting players, right. Exactly. Then, then you'll see his full potential and, you kind of saw that in, in um, Muller, excuse me, um, as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's yeah. that's a completely fair comparison. Do you? Uh, I think. I think. Yeah. But sorry, sorry to, to interrupt. No, no, go for I, it. I actually just it. thought. I actually just thought of. I think one compare good England comparison for for, for Premier League fans is. I think Deli Ali is, is probably a pretty good like positional like type of player in terms of like can play kind of all around that attacking third area. Um, and also, also scores, but not trash. He's, oh, 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 Ali's not trash, dude. Come on. I know, I know. I, I mean, know. he hasn't had but a good season. To think of it that Similar, way. had a bad first half of the season, just like Kai Havertz. <laughs> but, um, but I, I think, I think that's, I think that's actually, I think that's a pretty good comparison. If you're talking about positional kind of players, a player who's a chameleon pretty much uh, in the attacking yeah. third in terms of positional position wise. You really take the fun out of things, man. And it <laughs> happened to you. All right. No, that's, that's completely fair. Um, I would say positionally more than stylistically. I think they're a comparison, um, but still gives you an idea of what kind of player Havertz is. Just watch out for him the next two years. I'm telling you, watch out for him. Are you, are you good now? Yes. Did yes. You everything right, off your right, chest. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, before we wrap up, we'll we'll throw out my player to watch. Are you ready? I am. I'm, I'm, I I do not know yet, for those of you listening. I do not know yet at all. I told Elias to not know. Rian does not know. I wanted to keep it because we had actually – he had chosen Havertz. He had texted me this, and I was like, oh, well, I had, I had also chosen him. So I decided I was going to pick someone else. He called him first. So, Rian, my player to watch this weekend – 
is John Brooks at Wolfsburg. I cannot wait until he goes up against Erling Holland, potentially Jaden Sancho and Thorgan Hazard. I'm so excited to see what he can do because last weekend he had a great game against Augsburg. Um, Wolfsburg did, I should say, and he was a big part of that. He, he led the team in pass completion at over 93% and he had two, two major tackles. So that I would consider a pretty good game for a center back. And I think he's been pretty solid. Um, John Brooks is one of those people that I thought was like 32 when he was like 24. Cause like, he's been like that same age at 32 for me for the last five years. Um, but he's only 27 too, which is kind of crazy. So I'm very excited to see how he does against what I would consider at this point, a world-class striker. Um, and I know he's obviously come up against Dortmund prior this season as well as Byron, but um, he's, he's had up and down playing time. So John Brooks, I'm, that's why I'm watching the Wolfsburg Dortmund game tomorrow morning. I really want to see how he I love does. It. I love yeah. it. And, yeah, that, that, I, it's going to be great. It's going to be great on both ends because Brooks is extremely physical. Like, he's a big guy. He's like six yeah. four. Like he's a big guy. And, and and Holland himself obviously is like the maybe the outside of Ibrahimovic, the most gifted tall striker I think I've ever seen. <laughs> like, True. Uh, I I don't I don't want to I don't want to sound totally like. Um, ignorant because I, I just can't think of anyone else right now. Who's like that. Who's like around that height and, and has and same skill level. But anyway, uh, crouch. that's about it. Skill, skill, level. Uh, skill. Now <laughs> he's better than crouch. I know that yeah. he's definitely good. Yeah. He's definitely better than crouch, but, um, but no, it's going to be a great physical matchup. I, I that's awesome. I, I'm going to look, I'm looking forward to that too. I'm going to have to have that game on my, my computer or something at the same time. Um, That'll be great. Yeah, I, I love I love the shout. I love the shout. He's going to be an, another player who's going to be extremely important. He's he is the U.S. national team's best center back um, right now, like, and he has been the best center back for the last probably two or three years. Um, yeah, and, and and maybe some people will remember him too as he scored the the winning goal against Ghana in in the 2014 right. World Cup, the first the first game, uh, which was a massive goal because that was the only game that that you know the U.S. won in the group stage. So like, <laughs> right, that, that was the game that they needed to win more than any of the other ones too. Right. So like, um, yeah, I love the shout. Yeah, so we're gonna stick with it, and of course we'll be watching a lot of Bundesliga tomorrow. That, I think, wraps up the preview for this week of games. And, and soon, sooner rather than later, we're going to be doing previews for other leagues. So I can't wait. Football's coming back. It's a good time to be alive. Um, for everyone out there, coronavirus is still very much a thing. So stay safe, stay healthy, um, and keep following those those guidelines of social distancing. And we'll, we'll get through it. And soon enough, we'll have fans back in the stadium, too. But with that, that's all I had. Rian, do you have anything else you wanted to, to wrap up with? else just looking forward to another week of soccer of some well-played soccer hopefully again um and just ah, man sports is back and and uh the weather's getting nice and light at the end of the tunnel once again yeah yeah it's there so we'll talk to you guys again next week and uh with that stay safe of course and good watching football